And now back to Lifeline. We're back for time 607 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. What we'll be doing tomorrow night is um, at Grace Bible Church, by the way, uh, we'll be engaging in a study of um, what is called the Warrington Declaration. You guys are welcome to join us online, grace-bible.com. The Warrington Declaration is the response by dozens and dozens of churches around the nation here in America addressing what we have been dealing with for the last year and a half around the relationship between the church and governmental authority. And what the Warrington Declaration does is it gives a number of affirmatives and denials in terms of the relationship of the church from a scriptural standpoint. There is a section one and then a section two in relationship to uh, the, the very issues that we're dealing with in terms of how much authority does government have to impose upon human beings and how much authority does it have to impose upon Christians? This is a very germane subject matter and study and and, uh, and analysis that you really want to uh, be a part of because you really want to be able to know, can you support biblically the position that whatever the government says do, we are to submit to it without question. If you can support that position, you need to substantiate it with a multiple of Bible passages examples, narratives in scripture where any Christian was compelled to, by the dictates of scripture, to submit to governmental authority when that governmental authority itself was not right and when it was not functioning according to the order with which God had called that government to be. And you should already know that the premise upon which the gospel itself was established in the New Testament, the book of Acts, was on the grounds of disobedience to the government telling the citizens to do something contrary to what God had plainly said. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of a taste of the warranting declaration as we're going to unpack it uh, over uh, the uh, Tuesday and Friday, tomorrow night at 630. I want you to join us and have all your Christian friends, your churches, if you want to. This is called the preamble. With the rise of COVID-19 and all of the attendant ramifications, it has been incumbent upon the church to come to terms with what it believes related to the intersecting areas of biblical ethics, authority, and medical mandates. Unfortunately, due to a pervasive lack of theological and biblical understanding on these issues, coupled with a tendency to over-attribute power and jurisdiction to the state, Oft-time churches have defaulted to almost reflexively acquiescing to whatever government health agency statements are made and the policies they put in place. The legitimacy of the sweeping powers attributed to the state is either simply presumed or reinforced with scant or faulty biblical support. Powers are assumed to exist unless explicitly denied rather than regarded as absent unless firmly established by scripture. And as a result, rather than leading on these issues, pastors often become little more than mouthpieces for government health agencies and are then used by these same agencies to help carry out their bidding. That is so true. It goes on to state the reason given for the following such policies uh, 
and mandating them in a local church are not typically justified by a well-rounded and systematic understanding of the whole counsel of scripture on authority and what it means to love one's neighbor as oneself. Instead, the rationale given is usually disjointed, unbalanced, and confused. Now, that's what we want to help you stop being disjointed, unbalanced, and confused when you recommend biblical texts around these kind of uh, uh, secular authority mandates. And, and I'll finish with this statement as I am encouraging you to join us tomorrow at 6.30 and then again on Friday at 6.30, gracebiblechurch.com, the Warrington Declaration. To that end, the Warrington Declaration on Medical Mandates, Biblical Ethics, and Authority was created in order to provide clarity on these issues moving forward, to equip local churches and their officers in providing clarity on where they stand, and to assist individuals who are being mistreated in their churches with a well-ordered summary of beliefs in this regard. Now, I'll tell you why I'm doing it, because I, I know a lot of pastors and I, I deal with a lot of men, a lot of elders, a lot of deacons across the state and the nation, uh, actually, in terms of these kinds of struggles. And in our prayer service about a month ago, one of our brothers was uh, uh, praying for his mother. And I remember distinctly his mother being extremely, extremely grieved and burdened because her church told her that she could not come back to church unless she get the vaccine. Now, this brother's mother was like 84, 85, or 87 years old, and he might be able to correct me on this. She might even be in her 90s. And she's told by her church, you cannot come back to church unless you are vaccined. See, this is what the declaration is all about. It's about Christians not being solid on ecclesiology and the relationship between church and state. That's exactly what we're dealing with here. And this confusion was exposed fully the moment that COVID came out. Christians were all over the map. They were not clear. They were disjointed. They were discombobulated. They were tossing up Bible verses that were out of context. And now we're having to deal with it. But this is what all right, so this is one of the benefits, you guys, of crisis, because when a crisis comes, it actually cracks the ice under your feet and show you where you were really not solidly in your word, where you really weren't studying your word carefully enough to understand what we teach as systematic theology. And what we're dealing with now will be ecclesiology in relationship to the state. And I'll give you just a taste before we go to the breaks. And again, the lines are open. one 367 5329 I'll answer any of your questions or just engage you if you want to. The first out of 36 of the affirmation denial statements goes like this. We affirm that all authority in heaven and on earth has been bestowed upon God, the son, Jesus Christ. We affirm that. Now, you might go, yeah, yeah, we agree with that, too. But what does that mean to you? Does it really mean that Jesus is Lord over all? And if he is, is he not Lord over the state? And if he is Lord over the state, does he not have a clear set of imperatives by which the state is to govern itself in relationship to its citizens and particularly in relationship to the church? And do you even know that litany of verses that formulate that very statement that I'm making? 
What is the scope of their authority? What is the extent to which they can impose themselves upon the lives of human beings, let alone Christians, in relationship to our freedom and rights? Here's the second one. We affirm that delegated authority, earthly authorities, have been instituted by God as his servants to function as a blessing to those in their jurisdiction. Through their godly governance and rule, according to God's law, in obedience to Christ. Do you see how that statement was framed? I'm going to say it again before I go to break. We affirm that delegated earthly authorities have been instituted by God as his servants to function as a blessing to those in their jurisdiction through their godly governance and rule according to God's law in obedience to Christ. These may be civil authorities, ecclesiastical authorities, vocational authorities, familial authorities, and self-governing individuals. What is he saying there? Oh, no. Now, you're supposed to be a Christian who thinks well, thinks deeply, and reasons through propositions. It's what you're supposed to be. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you're lazy in your thinking, you cannot do that. Here he made it very plain in in, uh, affirmation number two. Government can only do that which God through his law has stipulated explicitly and clearly in reference to the boundaries of their authority. And when they exceed those boundaries, they are to be pushed back on by the citizens and the prophetic office of the church. Do you know your Bible? That's what the prophets did all throughout the Old Testament. Whenever the king and the rulers exceeded the boundaries of their authority and when they exercised ungodly, immoral, abominable practices and and, and impelled the people to deal with it, the prophets rose up, thus saith the Lord. But you don't hear that today at all. All right, got to take another break. When I come back, we'll continue on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time 622. Uh, Three lines open. 1-888-367-5329. If you want to call me and talk to me and challenge me and uh, we can discuss the things that we are discussing right now. I'm talking to you about the Warrington Declaration. It's kind of like what what we would we would call in our in our reform churches. Uh, credal statements. I believe this is what we believe or what we would call the three forms of unity, the Belgian Confession, Canons of Dort and the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, And then you have uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith as well that operates out of a a system of theological catechismic uh, hierarchical teachings that affirm fundamental truths of the scripture as well. Have a very solid knowledge in, in that background. Uh, and, and and you can get this also in the Baptist uh, Confession of Faith as well. I think it's 1689. But what they do, what those old confessions did was demonstrate how that the pastors had enough scholarly study, scholarly learning to systematize the essential and critical doctrinal issues that frame and support 
and guide the church in its existence and function, both priestly and prophetically. So this is what I love doing with our church at Grace, because the last thing I'm going to let them do is be ignorant um, as a consequence of me being lazy. Now, if they're going to be ignorant, they'll be ignorant because they want to avoid the rigorous work of study and thinking well. But as long as we have breath in our bodies and we're created by God, we are called to study and think well. You cannot be a legitimate, effective witness for Christ unless you study and think well. This is what it means to be a disciple. So here's a question. Under uh, the fourth proposition, under section one of the declaration, it says, we deny that the existing civil authorities have unlimited jurisdiction. We deny that the existing civil authorities have unlimited jurisdiction. What is your answer? Yes or no? And if you go, yes, they have unlimited jurisdiction. What is your Bible support for that? Not just one Bible verse. Don't use that as a pretext, but give us the plethora of biblical truth that justify at any time, anywhere that government can just impose dictatorially tell a human being or a Christian what to do without uh, accountability and qualifiers. You won't find it, but yet you'll find Christians everywhere. I remember early on in the pandemic when the government said shut down and, and Governor Newsom said shut it down, shut it down. He did not have authority from the state. He did not have authority from the Constitution. And even though he exercised Uh, what is called emergency powers because of health issues, he really didn't have the right to tell the church to shut down. But you saw churches shut down everywhere. I mean, lickety split as if God was talking. And yet you didn't have one biblical authority. And eventually as Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church, which has been spearheading what it means to be a free community based upon the authority of scripture, serving as a witness in the world, loving them enough to tell the truth, loving them enough to pray for our government, loving them enough to challenge them on the science, loving them enough to challenge them on the parameters of their authority. All I know in California is that John did. Oh, yeah. By the way, our brothers and sisters up in uh, Calvary and San Jose did it as well. <clears throat> but a lot of people did not. They just bowed down. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we're going to go through this material is because many of us have seen the massive devastation in terms of it completely dislocating local churches as if someone came through and took the body of that local church and cut the sinews at the arms and the hands and the feet and the knees and the thighs and the head. It's dismembered local bodies everywhere. Dismembered local bodies everywhere. Dismembered. And the enemy knows that a dismembered local body cannot serve to witness to the glory of God. So those of you who have succumbed to all right, I'm not going back to church until, you know, Pope Fauci says so. You are demonstrating that your authority is not from Christ. You are demonstrating that you are not compelled by the spirit of God to actually demonstrate that you are functioning as a new creature. 
You're demonstrating that you don't have the discernment and that you're not operating out of a kingdom principle that you are in the world, but not of the world. And this was so clearly evidenced. And here's the sad reality. The enemy knows that to dismember the body is the metaphor and optic of being spiritually dead. He knows that. This is Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel, God took him up in the spirit and took him to a grave, a big grave. And in that grave, he saw dead bones everywhere. Very dry, no moisture in them. He saw them dismembered. He saw them hacked up. He saw them destroyed in a war. That was a vision that God gave him. No real city there. This was a vision of God to help Ezekiel see the real spiritual condition of national Israel. That it was completely destroyed by the enemy because of their own volitional sin. Bones everywhere. And God asked Ezekiel, Ezekiel, what do you see? And Ezekiel told the truth. See, you can't see the truth unless you can see it through God's eyes. And I'm here to tell you, hmm, I'm here to tell you that what we are seeing in our nation is the dismantling, excuse me, the dismantling of local churches across the nation and around the world. It's severe in Canada, severe. And members have not been brought back together, bone to bone, sinew to sinew, flesh to flesh, standing upon their feet. You guys know that parable in Ezekiel 37. He said, Ezekiel, speak to these bones that they may live. And Ezekiel spake, and there was a noise, and bone came together to its bone, and eventually the bones of, of the persons who were destroyed gathered together, assembled, and they stood up a great army. And if you don't know the lesson to that, then you are not thinking deeply, because the church of the living God is an institution whereby its members were dead in trespasses and sins, dismembered, if you will, by the warfare that took place at the fall of our first parents. You and I are born in trespasses and sins, and we have no functional place in this world, particularly in terms of the kingdom of God. But what did Christ do by his death on the cross? If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And what did he do? Bone upon bone, flesh upon flesh, sinew upon sinew. He has been reassembling the body of Christ since the days of his resurrection. And every time a local church gathers together, anytime they gather, they are demonstrating the power of the resurrection to reassemble every joint, every bone, every part of the body. And the world gets to see the miracle of redemptive grace when the church assembles together. You see, you didn't even think that there was all that in the mere gathering of the saints because you've been so dumbed down by the culture. You are not thinking biblically. You are not waging a good warfare. You are not witnessing the way you should. You are not. You are not witnessing to the world by the power of the gospel operating in an authority that has the ability to raise you up and bring you together with the rest of the body. You are not walking in authority by the gathering of that body being a witness to the world as it separates from the world and gathers to worship the one true and living God. You are not being a witness to the members of the body that are actually gathering together, assembling and being a testimony of the power of the resurrection. And this very emblem I'm sharing with you 
is the fear of all governments around the world and have been since the days of Christ. Read Psalm 48 for yourself. The kings fear Zion. Why? Because in Zion, they're shouting. In Zion, there's joy. In Zion, the true and living God, he's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. He is there and the people of God worship him and the noise of the worship causes the ground to tremble and the heathen are once again reminded that they have to deal with a God who is able to call men and women out of darkness into his marvelous light. But when the church simply capitulates to government and dismembers, there's a lot of dismembered members who are spiritually dead by example here. I hope that comes home. I've got to take another break. I'll be right back on the other side. Got more to say. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 637. Uh, have an opportunity if you want to, if you want to call uh, call in. You are certainly welcome to do so. Um, I did not get that, young man. What did you say? Um, let me see. Line number three. Let's go to Etris. Okay, he did. Cool. All right, then I'll continue. The lines are open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Talking to you about the Warrington Declaration, talking to you about how long ago churches would be engaged in the serious analysis of Scripture in relationship to its function in the world. Uh, Serious enough to know that if the church uh, exercised its visible witness, that it would have to engage government from time to time, not too infrequently, to actually weigh in on government decisions. Why? Because governments are uh, either elected officials or chosen officials to serve as servants to the citizens of the state. And as a consequence, they just can't make up arbitrary laws. Now, the again, you know, the cat's out of the bag. And I mean, you know, the horse is out of the barn and we're so far down the road with a man-centered, anti-God, anti-Christ system of policies and governance, particularly here in the state of California, that um, our our conversation is almost passe. But quite frankly, it still is required for Christians to be able to speak the truth in love. And don't take that last adjective uh, and, and, and turn it into some kind of pancake serve. To speak the truth in love is to tell the truth in the context of a biblical framework by which God is honored because God himself is love. So we're not getting emotional here. We're being rooted in the divine nature and the divine nature compels me to love you enough to tell you the truth, notwithstanding it hurting your feelings or causing you to want to bring injury on me as a consequence. And so when we if you look throughout the history of America, I mean, the church was always the pastors and the and the scholars were always right there with the congressmen and the senators working through law policies. This is not an aberration and this is not some uh, some obtuse 
uh, positioning that that this declaration is affirming. It's affirming historic practice. In fact, if you don't know church history well, from the days of the apostles on into the patristic fathers, on into the patristic fathers, all the way through the church, the church has always been using the word of God to determine how to both interpret and apply scripture relative to the social issues and context of the day. The church has always done that. So <clears throat> when you hear people say, well, why don't you just kind of get back to moral ethical principles or preaching the gospel, don't be dealing with these things. You're utterly ignorant of your inheritance. You're utterly ignorant of the content of the word of God. You're utterly ignorant of the role of the church in the world. And the the, the dark powers love these kinds of Christians who are not willing to actually examine the word of God in terms of their rights, privileges, and calling to act prophetically and to act in a priestly way. Many of you at Grace know that this is the binary tandem of our calling. We are prophetic, we preach, we teach, we proclaim, we warn, and we are priestly. We pray, we intercede, we supplicate because we need heaven to actually move on earth to get men to do the right thing. Your job is not to acquiesce to government just because it's giving you a convenience of lifestyle. That, that's the very thing that Christ is warning the church against. When all the church wants is to be left alone and be quiet, you are no longer the church. When all the church wants to do is be left alone to stay asleep, you are no longer the church. When all the church wants to do is position itself where it cannot have to give an answer to or exercise accountability towards society, you are no longer the church. If you're walking around with a Bible, but you don't know how to use your Bible in terms of declaring who God is and what your purpose in this world is, you need to put your Bible down. Put your Bible down, step away from your Bible. It is the power of God and the salvation, but you are not ready to use it. Put your Bible down, sir. Put your Bible down, ma'am, and step away from the Bible because God gave it to you as the sword of the spirit by which you can wage war with the dark powers in order to liberate men and women from the darkness that comes from the beast system. Put your Bible down. Step away from your Bible. You can play church anywhere you want to. But when it comes to holding that Bible, you are saying to God, I am willing to be a witness to the world of the truth as it is in Jesus. And the church has always historically been engaged in dialogue, conversation, discussion, vigorous debate, because the citizens are largely people who have either frequented the church or are part of the church yet and still in some nominal way, if not substantially. So that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. We're going to be looking at these affirmations and denials of what is called the Warrington Declaration, 632 Tuesday night, 630 Friday night. And you're welcome to join us in house, too. If you're local and you want to come by, we'll start uh, at 630 tomorrow and we'll end at about 745 before prayer. Um, and we'll be we'll probably deal with maybe about 10 of these affirmations. And then on Friday, we'll deal with the rest of them because we kind of hang out on Friday and unpack the word of God for two hours. You're welcome to join us. 
And certainly you can join us online as well. We are glad to have both as we look square in the scriptures and determine what the responsibility of the Christian. By the way, once the Christian really accepts the responsibility to be a prophet and a priest, yeah, yeah, you're going to suffer. That's why most Christians don't do it. That's why most Christians are, are not salt and not light because they don't want to suffer. And, and we've been cuddled, as, uh, as some have said, the cuddling of the mind. <clears throat> uh, and we've been cuddled right on the sleep. And, and, and I'm disturbing you right now. And I've been disturbing you for a while. And, and that's, that's the role of the prophet, to disturb the people of God, to, to wake them up out of the slumber and sleep. Do you know what could happen if the people of God got up, gathered together and assembled by the spirit of God, prayed and preached and not played church or entertained souls. Do you know what could possibly happen? Do you know that God could turn this whole virus around? He could turn this whole thing around. He could turn the variants down so that they don't have any more of an effect than a, a regular flu. He could he could open the floodgates of men and women coming to a reality of their sinfulness and precariousness, precariousness of their lives. Do you know he could do that if the people of God really were functioning as the people of God? But see, the goal of the enemy is to keep you operating at such a low ebb of faith that you don't even have the energy to pray, let alone preach. All right, I'm going to take a break. Then we'll deal with our last segment on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. Let's go to line number. Let's see here. Let's let's take Dreama. Let's take Dreama. Is Dreama there? Hi. Uh, good evening, Pastor Jesse. Thank you so much for the conversation today, and and especially the part about you know our role as Christians and how we're seeing this and what part we're playing. Are we just being you know sheep led to the slaughter? Where are we actually doing any research and thinking on our own? And I've got to say, from my uh, what I've experienced during this whole year and a half or more is that I have been ostracized by Christians um, because I I do do research and I do listen to uh, and follow individuals, uh, you know, do do a background check on those individuals before I even start listening to them um, and, and so on. And it's just really disheartening to me because I do have, and I think it's a correct thing, have, you know, strong respect for learned individuals and for elderly, older individuals who have lived through some things, um, and I'm really disheartened quite often by some of those individuals that are really make me feel like I'm doing something, you know, that God would not want me to be doing, uh, that I should just, ju- you know, jump in line and, and get the vaccine, and, and when I do my research, mask and how inside, outside, whatever, you know, the droplets, whatever you want to call them, I mean, 
they can permeate all of these things. They're so we can't even see these things. They're so small. So I mean, the mask is a joke. And and then you know when you look at you know the the normal testing of a vaccine and you know and and the stages it goes through the trials, the animal testing that's done before you throw it on human beings, and it's just kind of thrown out the window, discarded. And uh, and when you go up and look at you know the the vaccine adverse uh, uh, event reporting system, and you look at what the the thousands, hundreds of thousands of of, of adverse effects that have happened from these vaccines to people, and then people are wanting to line up their children. I mean, I'm just aghast, and I just wanted to call and thank you for bringing out the point that as Christians we need to be using the brain that our good father in heaven gave us now um and i, I want to say this too and in, in uh in, in re- return to your um to your encouragement to me and you you know dream I, i'm you know I'm, I'm absolutely predisposed to do this not only by my gifting but but i'm encouraged i'm encouraged by believers who do what you do this is why i do what i do and and the only thing that i would say to believers who are doing the homework and 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 ex, and exposing themselves to the arguments and, and 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 analysis necessary for you to be able to with a conviction make a choice is I, I want to encourage you and all them out all those out there that are going through the same thing. We're going to run up by a fifty percent chance, fifty fifty, meaning every other professing Christian that you meet. This is the basic general overall rule because of the way our country has been divided for so long. Uh, this is your left-right narrative. This is called the dialectical process. Been teaching it for a long time. Uh, our country is divided by design. This is what makes politics works. If our country were ever unified in terms of the, the the people on the ground, our governments wouldn't be able to manipulate us the way they do by a 50 per, 51% vote. And what that means is we have been preconditioned to disagree at length, because it's easier to just disagree and hold our positions rather than come together, have a conversation, lay out the evidence, let one side speak at length, and then let the other respond, and then let the other side speak at length. And we, in a gracious, uh, calm, uh, uh, wise, and prudent manner, see if we can create some correlation, some integration of our positions in order to come up with a solution by which we are not succumbing to the general outcome. Well, that's your p- opinion and that's my opinion. It really should not be that way with Christian people, uh, but it is. And, and unfortunately, that is the consequence of the Christian not being serious about the word of God in those matters. Um, I have a question for you because I'm going to just hang you, hang, uh, hold you on until we close here in a couple more minutes. In relationship to people you know, and you were making mention of older people, uh, how are you processing that? When you, when you share with them, hey, there are all kinds of reasons for which I will not take the vacuum. That's the, uh, uh, the gene therapy uh, 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 experiment. That is a prerogative and a right on your part. For the people that do take the vaccine, I I totally accept their prerogative and opinion to do it. I I simply want to ask them, you know, what made you do it? But getting back to the uh, question that I'm interested in, how do you process it when these loved ones just don't even want 
to have a dialogue about this. What what are you seeing in them? What are you discovering about them uh, in light of this lack of uh, of willingness to engage? Well, um, I understand uh, in most in most situ- situations. I understand their fear. Uh, And also, some of them are what I consider, I mean, they're certainly out in the world, but they're isolated from information. I don't do uh, your standard TV stuff. I don't even have TV. I have a free antenna in my house, and I I select what I want to look at. Most of it's, you know, research I've done. But but, so they're really really succumb to all of the commercials and all of the patting on the back that goes on on television, even in commercials. You've got all of these people looking at you in commercials and and patting each other on the back for doing the right thing. Um, And and I totally understand and respect that some individuals are forced to take it in order to keep their job. I am not totally one of these people that stands on the street corner and says, don't take it, you know, you're wrong. No, no, no. I understand those pressures. But I just, I basically just... uh, don't really get very deep in the conversations to tell you the truth, Pastor, because they don't want to hear it. Good. People well, don't well, that's be wrong. People no, that's... don't want to be wrong. People want to feel that they made the right choice. But we need to talk to God first and and do some research. Okay, no, no. Thank you for that. You're dropping off. I've only got one minute to go. Thank you for for that for that discourse. You're right. Um, at some point, the crisis will emerge more urgently. It will, ladies and gentlemen, be, you know, you can be sure this, I, I would hope differently, but I, the way that I'm seeing the um, landscape formulate, it's playing out according to science. There's no doubt about that. The smart people know that. Um, and, and that's why this will be a rolling thunder of a crisis that doesn't stop until fundamentally everyone capitulates, receives the mark of the beast, pinch the salt to Caesar and call him Lord um, and, or, or, or suffer the consequences of going to jail. Remember tomorrow night, 6.30, and then Friday as well. You guys are welcome in house. Whatever you do, you need to take the word of God seriously and take Christ too. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.